Welcome, everyone, to another episode of That Record Got Me High. I'm Rob Elba, and that's it. That's it for those uh, for those of you, I guess if you're just tuning in, if you've never listened before, you'll say, oh, okay, this is the dude that does it. But obviously, uh, for listeners, uh, you're going to know that uh, Barry is no longer on the show. He did not want to do it anymore. This is a lot of work, this show, every week. It definitely is a lot of work. And uh, he just didn't want to uh, be involved in it anymore, and I could totally respect that. I'm going to miss him. I'm going to miss everything that he brought to the table, his musical knowledge, and, uh, you know, but I, I understand, and uh, I'm going to move forward because I really love this show, and I love doing it, and I don't what else do I have to do anyway? So, but I think, you know, we're moving forward. I'm going to focus more on the guests. Maybe the guests will get to say more. They'll get to say, uh, you know, they'll get more of a word in edgewise because it'll only be me interrupting instead of me and Barry. Um, and speaking of guests, I have a guest here now, and uh, he's right here in studio. Welcome, Mr. Larry Smith, to the show. Welcome, Larry. Thanks, Rob. It's great being here. It's great. And you're in person. You know, Larry? I'm I th- in person. I think you're uh, the first in-person uh, guest on the show for a year, maybe. I didn't I didn't I, check the exact date, but it's probably close to a year. I, I believe you. Um, my other show was... We recorded April first last year, and that was uh, that was a remote episode. So, oh, it was. It was already a remote that was episode. Already a remote it was. episode. Yes. Yeah. And what was the? We did uh, a David Bowie, Scary, Scary Monsters, Monsters, right? Exactly. So, sort of, uh, definitely a tie-in to what you brought to talk about now today. There is definitely a tie-in. There is a tie-in. So, what did you bring? Uh, what did you bring to the table now? What are we talking about? Um, t- today, I brought Adrian Belew's 1990 release, Young Lions. All right, there you go. And um, so obviously, you're I, just from that record and this record, I kind of get your wheelhouse of what you're into. But you're a musician. You know what I was thinking? I've known you maybe close to two years now. I still don't understand exactly what you do, what your job is. <laughs> so if you want to tell us, real, what, what, do you, well, what do you do? So, so my job is I'm the national sales manager for a company that makes high-end cable for audio video. I thought it was something so, like that. It was just um, something really boring. It, so you probably told me and I forgot it's, it. It's not really boring. It's actually really cool because <laughs> no, we do pro cool. audio cool. as well as home audio. I get to go to shows all around the country okay. where you know I, I get to sit and listen to music that I love on literally half a million to million dollar systems. And it's, that is it's, cool. it's, I'm it's sorry. pretty, it's, it's pretty, it's pretty cool. <laughs> it, it is cool um, actually. Yeah. And uh, you're a musician as well. And that's like um, the first, when I felt I really got to know you, we did our um, every year. Well, we didn't do it this past year. We did it virtually, but we have a, uh, a show um, for a uh, music scholarship in uh, Dan Hosker's name, the Dan Hosker Music Continuum. And you uh, you asked to, to play it uh, like two years ago, right? Oh, your phone is quacking. <laughs> that was Larry's. For, for long listeners of the show, you would assume that was something I did to make that That was an noise. alarm, not that not was, the okay. not a ringer, but yes, right. that was an alarm. Do you need to take no. medication or anything? Is, You're okay? My mother-in-law needs to take medication. Hopefully that's being tended to in my absence. Uh, <laughs> well, this ties in because... You showed it was a th- uh, the theme that year was uh, kids, yeah. so it had to be a band uh, playing with kids. So you said, "Hey, I'm gonna. Uh, I have a band with my with my family. Basically, my wife's singing, right. and my, my daughter's playing bass. Uh, my son's gonna play some trumpet. 
So I said, yeah, yeah, sure, you can come. And then I immediately regretted it because right. you started asking me all these questions <laughs> and about the sound. <laughs> of and course, I'm a pain so in the oh, ass. He's going right. to be a pain in the ass. But then you showed up, and this was OK Boomer, right? Yeah, we called exactly. It, which I didn't like the name either. Right, right. But you guys, you showed up with your family, and you guys were great. I mean, you played uh, your own tunes, original songs. They were great songs. Uh, You were great. And it was so cool seeing you playing with your family and, like, your daughter on bass and your wife. It was just a great thing. Right. And, uh... And, and honestly, my all-time favorite gig that I've ever done, I've opened on big stages for decent-sized crowds for national acts and, um playing with my whole family on stage with me was an absolute it's rush. The best, it's right? the best, It's, it's the, the best. best. And it we was... hope to do it again sometime. Yes, post yeah, definitely. World. We should. But change the name, though. Maybe think about no, it. Consider I, it. I, I, I kinda, you know, OK Boomer, it was funny because it that had just hit around that time. You know, right. OK yeah, Boomer had only did. been out for a couple of months. It did, it did. And, you know, I, I had to ask my then 17-year-old daughter to play bass and, and you know, my, my then 14-year-old son to play trumpet. And, you know, their reaction like, okay, boomer. You know, right. I mean, it's yeah. just, it, it, it actually. But they still did it. it. <laughs> oh, it, but it actually worked. And, it worked. you know, we I got a kick did. out of it. You're right. No, it was good. And one of the papers picked it up and mentioned, you know, I mean, there was a blurb about this weekend. Yes. Okay, boomer. <laughs> you know, I was like, come on. <laughs> All right. So we're talking about Adrian Blue. Uh, now, also, obviously, you're a fan because this ties in because when you played, you were playing this weird guitar that I had never seen yes. before. And it is called a, a Parker Fly. A Parker Fly. And then I'm reading, when in doing my research for this show, I'm reading Adrian Blue plays a Parker Fly and right. he even has like his own model of that. Right. He does. Yeah. Which, which I've never been able to play one of his, um, oh, okay. uh, you know, one of the Adrian Blue models. Right. But um, I, w- I was picked up a Parker Fly in. Um, 99 and it was to be the acoustic guitar for, I, I was in a blues band at the time, okay. but I'm also into high tech instruments and I didn't want a conventional acoustic guitar. And I had played a Parker fly when they first came out and thought the string spacing was a little too wide. It, it felt more like an acoustic guitar to me and, you know, stupidly high tech guitar and Mars music was around at the time. I got a phenomenal deal on a beater guitar that they didn't think they'd be able to sell because it was uh, in really bad shape and it ended up being an easy repair and um, it took a few years to displace all of my other guitars right but that's it yeah, yeah. <laughs> you're obsessed with that guitar, i'm obsessed right? with and the i think guitar. he is too though yeah oh yeah 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 he's, yeah. he's a huge fan too yeah all right so this this was his um fifth Solo album already, uh, right. and it came out in May 1990. I'm assuming you were obviously already a fan of Adrian oh, yeah. Blue before this. Yeah, yeah. So when when he um, King Crimson, this is uh, we did King Crimson, we did uh, Discipline, which right. he was on. Right. So what's his uh, tenure with King Crimson? So so he um, Discipline was the first King Crimson project that he was in, and it kind of really catapulted him. Now, now it's hard to. So the guy had been, you know, he's an autodidact, he's self-taught. He had been in a very successful band in Nashville. That's where Frank Zappa found him, um, invited him to audition. Uh, Adrian was very intimidated at the audition because everyone else auditioning was, you know, like 
trained musicians that sight read and stuff. And oh, Adrian okay. doesn't and he's read. Not, oh, really? He, he is not that kind of guy. Oh, uh, that's amazing. And he felt like he really blew it. And he basically drove up to Zappa's house and asked him for another chance. So Zappa had him audition in the living room and ended up hiring him on the spot because Adrian can play. Yeah. He you can. know, <laughs> uh, and, and he calls himself a graduate of the Frank Zappa School of Rock, you know, because that, that was his, yeah, even though he was an accomplished player, he had been in a cover band in Nashville that's where uh, Zappa found my thing he said and then so he's touring with Zappa and um, he's out to dinner with, with Zappa and all and, and Bowie comes by the table and says you know I'd like to talk to you yeah so you know so so he he um, played on Lodger and toured with Bowie uh, in, in that era right yeah. uh, and um, that's how Robert Fripp met him because of because of Bowie. Right. So, okay. Uh, right. Because know, on the last record we did, uh, Scary Monster, Robert Fripp was ab- the guitar ab- player ab- on, on a lot of the songs on that. So that's your style. I mean, you're into. Well, yeah. But I mean, I do the punk rock. I, I'm, I'm into um, mostly up tempo pop type stuff. Right. You right. know, so, um, you know, I, I do like, you know, hardcore punk. I mean, you know, so, but, but, as much as I love, you know, suicidal tendencies, you're more likely to find me playing these days like a B fifty two. So I mean something that's really poppy and right, up. right. But you also but you also lean prog. You, yeah. you like oh, yeah, prog yeah, yeah, stuff. Yeah. See, that's the thing I noticed with this record in reading about it, a lot of the uh, a lot of Adrian Blue fans don't think much of this record. Yeah, yeah. Because they, it's it's not prog, man. It's I mean this isn't too pop. Right. It's, it's just absolutely, pop. Absolutely. But it's a but it's a great record. But but blue is a huge Beatles fan. Yeah. I mean, he's he's a real pop, like, connoisseur. And um, you asked about, you know, the the timing of things. Like, I would have loved to have brought his first record. It's called The Lone Rhino. And it's a a phenomenal record. And I I had it um, before I had the King Crimson with with him. Right, right, right. but I don't think he owns the rights to it or something. Somehow I think he got shafted on that. Deal oh, really? Because it never oh, okay. really came out on CD. Then a few years ago, a CD was released on a European label that has Lone Rhino and Twang Bar King. And, you know, I've, I've got it, but it doesn't seem like, you know, like it, it, it's not on Spotify. Oh, okay. You know, okay. and he ended up doing a an album bringing in you know, what he considered the greatest hits from his first three albums. So I think somehow that may have spiraled out of his control. And I didn't want to bring an album that people can't just that's, go, yeah, go that's get. That's the one thing, you know? right. We, we try and not do that because then it's hard. People listen right. to it and they want to hear it and right. they can't. And, so. and they can't. So, so this one, um, like you said, I, I think this is a phenomenal record. Yeah, I, mean, this I do record too. And really I remember when this came out, not being, I didn't really know much about him. I wasn't a King. I didn't know anything of that about King Crimson. I didn't really know him, but I remember when this came out cause it was on the radio mm-hmm. and he, at the same time, this is when he was the musical director right. for Bowie. Like right. I said, Bowie right. stole him right. and on the, Sound well, this, and vision, tour, right? This is yeah. him coming back to Bowie, you know, over ten years after um, when Bowie stole him from Frank. Because oh, was okay, in the, okay, that was seventies. That was that was right. Oh yeah, that's album. right. And he played on live. Right, okay, right, okay. Um, and there's some great if you look uh, some tour videos, you can yeah, see yeah. them playing. I mean, yeah. it's just great. Yeah. yeah, it's awesome. And and you could tell why. 
David Bowie like because that's David Bowie's wheelhouse too. He sure. likes uh, guitar players that are. It, it's like flashy, yeah, but it's more than that. It's yeah, more than just flashy. He, he definitely likes a lot of quirk. Yes, you yes, know, yeah, and yeah. Um, a, a neat thing about Baloo, you can also say about Fripp. Um, there are very few guitarists that you can tell who it is when you hear like a solo start. Oh, right. You know, right, like if right. you're guesting on a, you know, you bring yeah, in a side yeah. man, right? right? You know, Stevie Ray Vaughan on Let's Dance. You know, you know that's Stevie exactly. Ray Vaughan, right? right. right. Um, but, but. Eddie Van Halen on. Uh, right. Uh, uh, Michael Jackson. Michael Jackson, yeah, sure. You know it's him. Um, but, you know, I mean, Adrian Blue and Robert Fripp both fall in that camp. And, um, there, there were a lot of sideman kind of projects. I don't know if you know much about Laurie Anderson, but um, he's all over the video. She did a video called Home of the Brave, which is one of her concert tours, and um, it's spectacular. And, you know, again, you know it's Adrian when you hear right, right, Adrian. Right. And it's not just the most, you know, um, you did um, Remain in Light, and yes. you know the great curve wouldn't be the great curve without Adrian Ballou. Oh yeah, yeah, you know? for sure. But but like I said, it's it's more it it, it it's not just the uh, the uh, um, you know it is he has his sound, but there's just something about his playing. It's very joyful. Absolutely. And, uh, he's also writes really great. I think he's a really great songwriter, yeah. and uh, his lyrics are are really great. Yep. And uh, yeah, I like it a lot. You know what he reminds me of? I was thinking uh, Todd Rundgren. Um, sure, I, I draw parallels because Todd Rundgren can like play anything. Right, he could play all. You know, he, he does records where he plays everything, which is basically what uh, Adrian did with this one. Except for drums, I guess, right? Or no, he play, he's he, the drummer. He is the drummer he, too. He, oh, okay. he drums okay. with King. Well, he has in the past drummed with King Crimson. Okay. So, okay. you know, if you can step in there where Bill Bruford would usually be, right, right. you know, he is, he is an amazing he's a, drummer. A savant kind of, a, he, a he savant. is. And, and honestly, that was one of the things about this album that I really found compelling too, is the fact that, um, I love multi-instrumentalists that can, can, you know, bring their vision exactly the way right, they right. meant it. Exactly. And, exactly. Presenting it just how they want to. And, even though I mean, yeah, the, like I said, a lot of the 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 prog fans and everything put it down. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's pop, but it's like it's not easy to write a great pop right. song. You know, right. you, you try right. and do yeah. it. I say that all the time. Yeah. It's like people say, oh, you know, three chords. And, it's like no, but if you put the right melody over those three chords, that's sure. magic, and it's not easy. That's and, one of the hardest things to do. And he's still got enough. Just there's this joyful wackiness about him. Yes, that I think, even though it's pop it kind of kept it from the commercial success that it could have had. Well, you know, right, if he yeah. would have played everything more straight, which isn't Adrian, um, you know, it maybe it could have achieved greater commercial success. Right. Right. But I think he, you know, um, when I think about, you know, multi-instrumentalists that, that put out a spectacular album, this is one of them. You know, I could have brought you Ark of a Diver by Steve Winwood, and I'm not sure that your fans would have had the same appreciation for it that they might have. Uh, I don't know. Young that Lions. was mentioned. Maybe, I don't know if it was you, but someone has, had mentioned that before. That may even be on the schedule. I don't know. <laughs> Look, but I, it's, it's a fantastic album. But no, it it's, is. I, you I, know, but it's, yeah. it's a little more mainstream than what you expect to encounter. Right. And that record got me high. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, all right, so let's get into the record. Let's start it out. Uh, we get the uh, title track is also the first song. 
Uh, let's listen to a little bit of Young Lions. So good. Such a great uh, album opener. And so even though he's got all these quirky, he's obviously making his guitar sound like the, the different animals in the jungle and right. that. But the melody of the, in the guise of the lioness, the wind, the, the melody he sings over that is like great. It's Ab- beautiful. Absolutely. It kills you. So, absolutely. Yeah, it's so you know, good. And I don't know if, um, I don't know if this is something he brought to Bowie or something that Bowie kind of, um, uh, sparked in him, but the use of African rhythms and African themes. Right, right. You know, right. Lodger has that. Yes, and, it does. It does. And the Lone Rhino, obviously, you know, the 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 title song is, you know, or the the name of the album, the Lone Rhino. There's a song, the Lone Rhinoceros. Um, you know, he's he's very into that kind of uh, Serengeti imagery. Yes, yes. And um, yeah, the the lyrics are. You know, I think it's like prose. You know, it's it's very colorful. Um, this is one. This is one of only two songs where there are side members listed. Where there's you know side people. There's a percussive. There's ensemble, a lot of yeah. There's a lot of percussion right? going on there. Um, but um, but again, he's you know he's a more than competent drummer. So oh, that's awesome. Yeah. All right. So now we got his uh, boss. Uh, thank you, boss. Read a <laughs> you know read a couple songs to me. Right. And I guess I read. That this originally he wrote it in '88 and it was rejected by uh, a Tin Machine because right. when Bowie he did it for Tin Machine when they were like nah, yeah. um, and uh, and they played it on the uh, on the tour on the Sound and uh, Vision tour they would do it and there's some great videos if you find of right. them you know and they and they trade off the lines right. and uh, Baloo does you got to figure you you, you got to figure he he's influenced in some way. By Bowie, the way he sings, because sure. some of it is very uh, Bowie-like the way he sings. But this is a this is just a classic, great uh, David Bowie, and I think it was a hit. And into, I'm, it, I remember this on the radio. Yeah, it was. Um, yeah, it's great. So listen to a little bit of Pretty Pink Rose.
So I wanted to ask you, are you a lyric guy? Like you're, you're a lyric guy, right? You'll, yeah. You'll read yeah. lyrics and yeah, you'll yeah. read to them. Do you know anything? She she tore down she tore down Paris on the tale of Tom Paine. So he references this Tom Paine. I tried to find what he's referencing, and the only thing I found was that there's a there's a um, Thomas Paine. Well, there's a play called Tom Paine based on nothing, but that came out in 2004. Right. So maybe he did. So what is who's Thomas Paine? I think Thomas Paine. Uh, and, and I, I could be wildly wrong, but from, from what I remember, Thomas Paine uh, was an economist. And I genuinely don't know what David is singing about here. Right, yeah. Um, it's, you know, and, and David has, I mean, listen, it, it's not, um, what is it, um, Minnie Mouse has grown up a cow, you know. Right, right, I yeah, mean, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you yeah. know, he, he, he can go off and, um, you know, and Led Zeppelin had, uh, you know, uh, a lion walking along with a tadpole in a jar, you know, sometimes, <laughs> right. sometimes words just, just work. This song, I genuinely, I've never tried to analyze it. I think it's but just absurdist. His like absurdist yeah, yeah. Uh, that, lyrics, that's which kind he's of, really great at Right. Reading. That's kind of what I get out of it. You're but, probably right. but the vocals, oh my God, you know, um, first of all, I love Adrian Ballou's voice. Yeah. You know, yeah. And, he's, and he has a great voice. That's it, another thing. It reminds me of, um, uh, Todd Rundgren, because Todd yeah. Rundgren had a way where he could sing this, even though he's like the uh, whitest of white guys, right. he could get this soulful right. sound in his voice, <laughs> like this clear, soulful voice. Yeah, right. And, right. Uh, yeah, Adrian Blue has that same and, thing. And, you know, Adrian, his vocals are so complimentary with David's here, you know, and when you do watch, the, you know, what's on YouTube of that tour, you of know, they, trading they, off, yeah. Oh, it's, you know, and not it's just great. in the song, but even just when he's backing them, you know, yeah. I mean, Bowie has so many songs where it's him backing himself. Yes. And with Adrian singing those parts, it's totally, you know, it's totally believable. He does a you great know, job works. with it. Very complimentary to it. It's true. This, this really shows off, um, you know, I think that, almost laser beamish guitar sound is simply mad use of the, the vibrato bar, you right, know, the, right, the right, wang right. bar. Yeah. And, um, the, the fretless bass in the song, this, this is something that comes up in a lot of these songs is this monstrous fretless bass playing and tone. And, you know, I know really competent bass players that don't, play fretless right right and to you know to have a multi-instrumentalist and that's, that's him not, that's him yeah, doing it and, right and, yeah. right it's it's not just competent you know i mean he's a freaking monster you right, know and he's right, getting right, these right. killer tones and so yeah that's and and a neat thing about that song too it's got a great guitar solo that's something like four or six bars right you know right, it's like yeah in and out and, hit, and done yeah, in and, and out hit, and done pop and, sensibilities and yeah and and all right so his use of the whammy bar and all this there's no way you can't think of eddie van halen and i know i remember we had when we did king crimson we had marcus reuter and yeah. he mentioned something and he's like oh i think adrian's a much better thing right but i mean you know there's no denying eddie van halen sort of cha- he was one of those guitarists that sort of changed the shape of it but i think even uh they're just they had similar styles the way they came uh to music similar i think and that's just something that came from themselves i don't think either of them was copied each other at all no no, i didn't have anything to do with that right no i I think you're absolutely correct there is kind of a parallel path there parallel um when when i think of of you know vibrato bar use though to me adrian's much closer to jeff beck 
Oh right, that's you know, true. Because Eddie's true, yeah. main Eddie's main use of the of the whammy bar is, you know, these these perilous dives. You know, it's more yes, of like a yeah, night yeah, ranger thing, true, and and true. and I love that stuff. And, right. and when I use the bar these days, I do more of that. Right. But you know, in the '80s, I did more of of the thing that he's doing here. You know, just a crazy. You right. know, it, and. But anyway. also, speaking of Eddie, like this next song, just his tone, his guitar tone oh. is very, yep. it, it just, re, you know, reminds me of, all right, so he did a, co- he covered of himself, basically, right. was, but it's a song from the King, uh, King Crimson, Red, was this one on Red? No, no, Heartbeat. this is um, Three of a Perfect Pair or Beat, I think it's oh, Three beat. of a Perfect Pair. No, I think it actually okay. is Beat. beat. Uh, okay. But yeah, so it's a cover, pretty, pretty close to how it was there he didn't like change it uh, dramatically or anything right no i saw he had said he covered it because he felt it was the song that he had brought to king crimson that was the most fully fleshed out oh right and the other guys kind of left too much of their stamp on it oh you know and and yet on the album you know i mean it's the full band credit because that's the way king crimson did that's how they did so they all get credit for it right but his parts aren't you know if this is fully fleshed out it's not that different than the crimson because it's his song (laughs) yeah (laughs) all right let's listen to adrian Belou's part So when you got this record, you had you already heard, you already knew that. Oh yeah, I knew the song very well. You did. Um, Which version do you like better? Flip a coin. Right. It's it's one of my favorite Crimson tunes. In fact, this is one I've only taken less than twenty guitar lessons in my entire life, and in Tallahassee. I decided, you know, I've I had played for you know over ten years or something. I said I want to learn. You know, I, I, I want to learn how to really play guitar. And I, I went to um, a music store, and, and their guitarist is a monster blues guitarist. And, I, you know, I, I brought him the song. I said, this this is what I want oh, you to teach okay. me. And he, he I, when I went for my lesson the next week, he's like, yeah, I have no idea what he's doing. Um, I'm, I'm going <laughs> to... <laughs> he taught me Stormy Monday instead. But but I bought... But Adrian Blue came out with a... A video. I've got the VHS of Adrian Blue's video lesson, and he shows playing this. And actually, he detuned the B string, so it, I, it's 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 not a B. It might be a C or a C uh, sharp, okay. or it might well, be an A flat. But whatever it is, it's like lost okay. Me there's <laughs> all right. So uh, on this next song here, well, wait, wait, wait. One other thing. Uh, go ahead, heartbeat, again, go ahead, again, no. heartbeat. Go that you're the bass, the the fretless bass with that growl. Um, that is one of my favorite 
bass sounds in the world. Oh, okay. And in in Tallahassee, I was walking down the street one night, and I'm I'm walking past a, a bar uh, called Finale's, and I hear the sound that makes me turn around. It's like, oh my God, somebody's playing bass synthesizer. It's got to be a bass synth. And I walked in. It's a band from Austin, Texas called Glass Eye, who is phenomenal. Um, the bassist's name is Brian Beatty, or Beatty. Um, and he was playing a fretless bass through fuzz, and it sounded just like that oh, bass. Oh, nice. And um, I highly encourage you and any listeners to go to YouTube and look up Glass Eye. Any performance, whether it's from the last you know few years where they're you know, where they've aged or if it's, you know, the really old stuff when they were, you know, first touring. Right. Um, it, it, if you like that kind of bass sound, that is the stuff. And I went out and got a fretless bass immediately after <laughs> seeing Brian playing it uh, okay. and, and heard what it could do. And how's your playing on the fretless bass? How's your, how's your fretless I'm, bass work? I'm competent. It is, yeah, it's really hard. I'm, I mean, I've tried it before it, and it just feels it's so it's so weird. It depends on your technique. I started playing guitar synth real early in my guitar playing days. And I had seen a thing where Robert Fripp was talking about to play guitar synth, you have to to finger right at the fret you can't finger in between the frets and you have to be really good about muting the strings that you're not playing and so my technique developed in order to facilitate playing guitar synth when i play bass i'm playing right on the fret and it's funny because my my daughter um had been in a rock shop you know kind of school of rock type thing at a at a school in boca and, you know, one of her first classes, you know, the, the guy who was instructing them at that time was not a bass player. And he's telling her, you, you got to play between the frets. You know, you got you got to play oh, between right, the frets. Right, right. And we got home like, do not play between the frets. <laughs> play on the fret. Robert and Fritt if, if you, begs well, to differ. If you do that, switching from fretted to fretless is nothing. You right. know, you're oh, used okay. to your fingers being in that position. Oh, so, okay. you know, well, chords you are tough, but, you know, you learn. Little tip from Larry. Fretless <laughs> bass out there. All right, so this next one, he's uh, tipping his hat to a genre that I think he's very uh, fond of, clearly fond of. This next one, let's listen to uh, Looking for a UFO. What? This is total Supremes, right? This is a Can't Hurry Love by the Supremes. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And, you know, but but again, it's it's a, to me, it's a pop tour de force. Oh, yeah. You know, yeah. and a, 
optimistic lyrics, optimistic music. I um, love, yeah, I, I I love that because he's kind of lamenting in the song about the the bad in the world, but it's still hopeful. It's absolutely. got a very hopeful thing to it. Like there's there's good there too if right. you look hard enough. Right. And that's you know me. We were discussing this a little, even though we're not supposed to discuss before. But you remember I was saying. One of the, he just I don't I don't know Adrian Ballou, but he just seems like a really good guy. Yeah, yeah, he seems like a really nice good guy, and that's probably part of the reason why he never. I mean, not that he's not obviously he's super successful right. and renowned, right. but maybe didn't get to the level of a David Bowie or something like that. Because you have to be kind of like not you can't be that, that nice, nice. A guy, right? I think. Right? No, I, he probably I, is just. I agree. Nice. Um, he is. Um, I have had the opportunity to meet him a couple of times, um, oh, nice, and nice. he's been, you know, as as generous with his time as you could expect anyone to be. Yeah, and, that's and, great to hear. And he's got a self-deprecating sense of humor, and you know, it, he's he's just he seems to me like a a super sweet person. Um, yeah, that's the vibe you get. I get just listening to his songwriting. Right. Have you ever heard or heard of his pop band, The Bears? I've heard of The ba- okay. Bears, but no, I haven't. Um, the, the Bears is all stuff very much like this. And oh, nice. it's, okay. you know, I, I got to see them in Atlanta when I was living in Tallahassee. I've lived in Tallahassee for a long time. It's not like, you know, I've been down here for a long time now, but I was there for a long time. And, um, you know, Atlanta's the jumping off point. So I got to run up to Atlanta and see a bear show. And, you know, you smile ear to ear the entire time. Yeah. You know, it's it's just a really happy thing. So. All right. Awesome. All right. Let's take a little quick break. Uh, Larry brought us some lovely rum that uh, we're partaking of. So I'm going to put in, throw another ice cube in there and uh, refill our glasses. We'll be back in a minute. Hey, everyone. Rob here. Uh, Longtime listeners of the show. We'll know our long-running supporters. Is This Tomorrow? Is This Tomorrow is a weekly comic strip produced by Kelly Shane and Woody Compton. Their comics are pointed, they're funny, and they'll always make you think. They've been churning them out literally for decades, and their past comics are archived on their website, isthistomorrow.com. There's a new one every week, so make them part of your weekly web routine by heading over to isthistomorrow.com. That's isthistomorrow.com. All right, now this next one. Did you know anything about this Prophet Omega guy before this? Like, had you heard about him or anything? Because I no. did not. Oh, okay, but do you know David Byrne, Brian Eno's My Life in the Bush of Ghosts? Yes. Okay, because that to me is the you know, genesis of, of this, oh, it's, you okay, know, it, okay. it's so similar in construction. Um, uh, and so, so no, and I think it was, uh, I, I also didn't realize that, you know, Adrian had listed profit Omega until I started researching for this. Yes, he listed he, him at, and he said, like, just in case he, he ever shows up and I can give up, him a I bag of say, money. Oh, yeah, here you go. Yeah. <laughs> right. So I guess the real name was, Omega Townsend, and um, he was a radio evangelist that uh, broadcasting in uh, Nashville. Right. And I guess uh, cassettes of his uh, broadcast would make the rounds, and like a, a musician, people became fans of it. So right. Baloo had the idea, and it's really great because the way he talks is he's got almost like a James Brown uh, delivery. Absolutely. Ab- absolutely. Well, and, I mean, there's uh, there's definitely some uh, Holy Spirit in there. You yeah, know? <laughs> yeah. All right. So let's listen to a little bit of "I Am What I Am." <laughs> 
Absolutely, the the um, the changeover from this heavily distorted. And by the way, that's my favorite Adrian Blue guitar tone. He he does that a lot. Oh, but, okay, okay. But that yeah, it's great. just so dense and powerful. Yes, yes. And um, and then and then to go to this, you know, little uh, super clean. Yes, you know, the strummy thing. It's yeah, great. It's yeah. brilliant. What do you think he's playing? That heavy, that thick sound. What what is he? Well, you you must know what he plays to. What is no, he well, to? so he and Robert were both big fans of the Roland JC120 amp, which oh, is yeah, me too. You know, if not, you know, tone snobs disparage it because it's not like a Marshall. You know, it doesn't solid have tubes. State. It's solid state. It's solid state. <laughs> it plays loud as all get out. It, clean, it, it, super clean. That was it. You so, could do anything you want with it. Exactly. Yeah. So you load all the distortion in the front end um i actually had you know I, at the time there there weren't like the rig rundowns that there are now right you know right, but right. but you know still guitar player magazine would tell what people had i i own i still own a korg a3 which was one of the processors that he used you know oh, nice. because i i i love that sound uh all right so now we get another cover on the record and i'm not sure why he chose this it's kind of a odd song to cover not that it's not a great song because it is a great song i think it's because like you said he's a fan of the beatles he loves the beatles and mm -hmm. jeff lynn this was a, a traveling wilbury song right and, it, and it's credit to all of them but right basically jeff lynn wrote this song right. and he wrote it for roy orbison right to sing, right because right. it's like a perfect song for roy orbison right to sing. so i know why he covered it oh do you okay um, let's hear I, he he said i i found an interview with him where he said um when he first heard it, he couldn't stop singing it. He sang it for three days straight, and and it, it the melody had just totally dominated. It's an him. earworm. It really is. It's an is. earworm, and he went in the studio and recorded it. Okay. And that was while he was recording Mr. Musichead, but it really didn't fit in Mr. Musichead. And Roy Orbison died right around then. It was too close to Roy oh, Orbison's okay, death, okay. so it seemed totally inappropriate, and he shelved it. But when this one. You know, when he was working on putting this one out, he already had it so wrapped love, up it's in a basically, can. So, right. And it's yeah. because he just loves the song. Absolutely. It it's a great song, and he does a great uh, job singing Absolutely. it. Absolutely. Uh, so let's listen to I'm Not Alone Anymore.
also in his vocals on this, I hear a little what's another one of my favorite rock singers, Robin Zander of Cheap Trick. Sure, he's got that that that, that tone a little like right. that. I hear that. Right. Um, but yeah, he does a great job on this. Even though, like I said, the original, I, I had to go back and listen to a little bit right. of the original with Roy Orbison. And yeah. it's spectacular. Right. No one sings like Roy Orbison. <laughs> but he he does a great job on this. It's, right. it's just a beautiful earworm of a song, yep. which after doing the record, usually one song sticks in my head and I keep singing it, and this was the song Great. this record nice. that I just kept singing. Even though this next song, I remember when this song came right. out on the radio, and this also, this was a single off the album, and it's a great right. song. This is this is my favorite song on the record. And, yeah. you know, uh, while um, I Am What I Am has my favorite guitar tone, this is simply... This, you know, this is worth the price of admission right here. It is. There you go. Worth the price of the admission. Men in helicopter. Outing himself as a lefty uh, <laughs> conservationist, but it's great. It's so well, good. You know, the, the funny thing is, um, again, I saw an interview where he was asked if he's an environmentalist, and he says, not really. You know, he said, I, I don't participate in fundraisers. I don't, you know, spend a lot of time on it. But, uh, you know, he, he feels that, you know, this is his contribution, you know, and, yeah. and, and it is how he feels. Right. And, and it comes across. I was thinking more. It, it, even though the lyrics, it, a song like this could sound preachy, but it doesn't. Right. It sounds heartfelt, very heartfelt. Right. A- absolutely. And and again, you know, hearkening back to his very first album, The, the Lone Rhino, with the song I Am the lone rhinoceros there ain't a hell of a lot of us left in this world right, you know is right. the lyric and and so just the idea you know he it, it's it's very human you know it's very yes, humanity it it's it's it you is. know um yeah there, uh, there's a line in here about um you know wouldn't it be just um if he pulled the plug on us, uh, yeah, you know, God, wouldn't it be right? odd if there really was a <laughs> God, God and he saw what we'd done, done to, to the this earth? earth. Yeah, it would be just if he <laughs> right. the plug on us. Yeah, you know, it's great. Um, it's so good. Um, all right, so now we get um, for this. Uh, Adrian, he strikes me as someone that embraces technology, much like you. He right. embraces technology, but he also, I feel like, he pines for a. Uh, Simpler times, I, uh, right? Yes. Yeah, yes. there's that uh, juxtaposition there. So let's listen right. to this. Reminds me of that. Uh, in this next one, let's listen to a little bit of Small World.
two-inch, right, right. Um, yeah, so definitely I hear the tribal drumming stuff. I hear uh, his work with Talking Heads and also Tom Tom Club. Right? right. He played with... Uh, Absolutely. He worked with them too. So definitely yep. that's in, in his wheelhouse and he yep. loves that stuff. And, um, you know, that song again, fretless bass, even if you're not sliding between notes just playing a note on a fretless it's got this bloom to yes it that doesn't you know what? happen now listening to it i'm noticing it because you mentioned it oh, i was so focused on is... his uh, guitars right, and right. the guitar playing now when i'm listening to it see, once you mentioned it i hear it see this is the curse of being a musician is when i hear a song i don't hear the song Right, it depends on the oh, mode that I'm in. What's he doing? What is what well, is he playing? Well, right. So, so you know, if I'm in you know major guitar mode, I always hear the guitar first, and you know these days I hear bass before I hear guitar. But it's like it takes me you know uh, maybe between half dozen and a dozen listens to hear a song. Right. When I'm hearing a new song, <laughs> right. you know, and there are times where, you know, the vocal is the only thing I can concentrate on. I mean, you know, certainly like on the, on the Billie Eilish album that I wouldn't have heard about if it wasn't for your podcast, oh, you know, awesome, <laughs> awesome. but right, uh, yeah. you know, but I mean, there are times where you're drawn to, you can't to help it because it's so, yeah, that right. was done by design. Right. The voice is so upfront, but, but, um, but here, you know, that, Bass tone, just the tone, and and the the polyrhythmic stuff that he's doing with the you know the hand drumming is you know that's just art. <laughs> yeah, it's great. And then he's got a new wavy type song over on top of all right. that. Which a- is absolutely, great. Yeah. absolutely. Um, yeah, just it's a small world after all. All right, so now this next one uh, felt personal to me, very yeah. personal, right? Yeah. I think it's right. a song. He he's on tour, probably out on tour with uh, David Bowie. Missing his wife and his family. Exactly, right? but he but he puts it in the context of you know calling from the moon. You know, a, yeah, a phone be, call because, because you might as well be on the moon. Absolutely, exactly. absolutely. All right, we've all been there, right? This is a <laughs> phone call from the Very melancholy, but a, but a very icy melancholy. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, but it's heartbreaking where he says, so, so how are the kids? Uh, did I miss did his, his birthday, birthday again? again? Oh, uh, no. Can you tell him I'm sorry? That's right. heartbreaking. Right. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. It's, uh, yeah. It's, it's, but it's beautiful. You know, the, beautiful. the note I had for this is poignant and sweet. You know, I mean. Exactly. Yeah. Like Adrian. Oh, Adrian. Yeah. We're just, yeah. I've just I've fallen in love with Adrian Ballou. Right. <laughs> Good. Uh, yeah, hopefully it's true. Hopefully he's not like a, 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 a you know an asshole and a dick. No, but, but you've met him and he's I've, not. I've right? met. He is not. He's he is not. absolutely, he's absolutely not. not. This next man, I don't know. As much as I love David Bowie, I'm sure <laughs> he's he, he had his moment. This this is um, you know look it it's it's Bowie and and this has co you know Blue has co songwriting credits. It is my least favorite song on the album. Yeah, um, it's kind of a strange uh, uh, album ender. I think maybe just uh, let's do another Bowie. It seems almost like I feel like Adrian maybe did the music and Bowie just sort of threw these words on top maybe, of it. Maybe, um, you know, it, it's, I mean, imagine this was done in 1990, right? You know, I think there was probably, I don't know. I mean, the, the you know, the shooting in the school tower that, you know, Bob Geldof wrote about is the yes. only mass shooting that I remember right. really prior to, you know, prior to the two thousands, you know? So right. you look at the context today and it's a very different thing it is. than when it was written. See, I feel like, yeah, in the, in the context of 1990, when it was written, I feel like almost it's more of a violent action hero uh, like a rambo or something like worshiping someone uh you know uh like a a hero or someone that's worshiped right by the masses but not right. uh, and more like that more like not something yeah. actually real and concrete which now every other week we sadly absolutely exactly yep. all right let's listen to a little bit of david bowie singing gunman Of a star, they put you there. You're all of us now. You're all over town. I'm rappers and cams. You're bigger than life. You're braver than death. You're a gunman holding your own. You're a gunman never alone. Gunman. Betrayed, friend of our kids You're a gunman Holding your own You're a gunman Never alone Gunman Gunman Traitor in arms Kids on the street Buying a charm It's a cool song, but it kind of sticks out from the rest of the record because there's not much melody going on there. And it's maybe, maybe it's the one song on the record that you can't just sit down on a guitar, an acoustic guitar, and play. You know? Right, right. Yeah. Um, and and to me, the the more disappointing thing is it doesn't it doesn't utilize Bowie's range. You know, I mean, he stays in that one area. Right. Whereas. Right. Um, 
you know, I'm pretty pink rose. He does that, you know, oh, he's you know, Bowie. Like he's, he's, he's Bowie. He goes all the way down and all the way up. Right. Absolutely. Um, but you know, you did fade out like at, you know, the, the guitar solo is, guitar is pretty cool. Solo, it, there, it there is, is because it sounds, cool. yeah, it sounds, I put, it sounds like a robotic saxophone from right. Mars or something. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, he just, well, that's Adrian's thing. He just, he, he wants to make his guitar sound like anything but a, but guitar, a guitar at times. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And, and then at other times it'll just be some great, sweet guitar chords with a little chorus on it. Yep. And that'll be beautiful too. So, yep. uh, yeah, super talented dude, right? I uh, think so. <laughs> yeah, and and uh, I think we've established good dude, nice good dude, dude. So that's absolutely good. We gotta, solid. We got to do more uh, records by good dudes and nice dudes. Yep. Um. All right. So Larry, uh, you know, for you guys to know, Larry isn't just my first guest doing this solo, but Larry helped me a lot. He helped me get my software set up. He helped me figure out what I'm doing here. He came over uh, and just helped me. Uh, on a Sunday or what was it? Saturday when he could have been home with his family and was helping me figure out my shit. So I really thank you. And if also, if this sounds like shit, then you could partially, there there you go. Absolutely. But I don't think it will. I think and I'm going to, you know, we're going to just keep going, but thank you, Larry. I really appreciate it. Uh, You're a great guest. And, um, uh, don't forget guys. Uh, you could follow me on Instagram, uh, at, at that record got me high, uh, Twitter. It's TRGMH podcast, Facebook, that, uh, that record got me high. And also that Facebook group got me high. That's fun, right? That's you, fun. You, you check that That's out. That's fun. Larry, right? Absolutely. And, uh, Larry, I didn't mention us uh, besides being a great guy that helped me out. He's a patron of the show and you can become a patron of the show. Uh, go to patreon.com forward slash TRGMH. We got some great guests coming up and I've decided I'm, I'm going to stop teasing guests for the next show. But if you're a patron, I'm going to send out like who the future shows are going to be. So you'll know. So I'm trying to do more things where if you're patron, you get some more inside stuff. So uh, that's that. Um, Thanks again, everyone for listening. I hope you guys keep listening. Like I said, I really enjoy doing this. Uh, I'm going to keep doing it. So I hope you keep listening. Larry, thanks again. See you guys next week. That's Rob Elba. That's Larry Smith. (laughs) We are out of here.